Well, hey, I enjoyed that church, the service tonight. Wasn't that good? You know, uh, you folks probably don't know, but your church is really blessed. You know, the, you know, everything you got going on and the sermons and the music and the people you got and workers. Yeah, churches aren't like that all over the country. And the ones that were good, they're plopping off like flies now. Things are changing. And then these new younger pastors come in that never been tried and proved. But they got a formula on a piece of paper. And they can tell you all about their plans on a piece of paper, but, you know, that doesn't quite work, does it? And and, uh, so I enjoyed it tonight, and I enjoyed those mission slides. My goodness, that's my favorite thing is missions. And and my favorite part tonight is about that rooster. Wasn't that pretty good? Yeah. I wonder if he got saved. You know, when I show mine all the time, I'll just say this real quick. I used to always slip in a picture of my dog, Fang. And I said, yeah, me and Fang are out there, and, and I cut this fish, and I hold a big bass, you know. And everybody's looking, and finally somebody says, they don't have bass down there or in the jungle or wherever I'm at. But I'd always slip a picture of uh, Fang as if he's part of my mission trip. And, uh, so I'll tell you, I'll get right into it. It's getting late, and, you know, I don't want anybody to miss their programs tonight. So let's turn to Judges chapter 16. And I'll read verses 28 to 30, and then I'm going to go on and then come back to that verse. pastor asked me to share about my life story, and I don't know. Sometimes that could be hard, huh? Think about it. And uh, I can make up stories, though. (laughs) But here... uh, in Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 28, it's about Samson. And by the way, one of the nights I'm going to do a, a, a sermon about Samson. And I'm going to draw him with all those muscles, you know. And, and uh, so, uh, But here in verse 28, this is uh, after Samson pretty much, you know, we know the story how he messed up his life because of sin. And he said, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which were upon the house, stood, and and on which it was borne up, and of the one with his right hand, the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell, fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than uh, they which he slew in his life. And, uh, you know, he, he killed a bunch of the enemy that day. Of course, we don't kill enemies today, do we? We try to win them to the Lord. And, but, uh, but, you know, uh, I guess growing up, just starting out way back, I grew up a little Catholic boy and, and, uh, and a strong Catholic family and, and and, uh, and I went to church all the time, prayed to Mary and the saints and said the rosaries. And I had a dog when I was a kid that was lost. And and I can remember, you know, praying for him. And, and he was lost for six months. But I remember, uh, you know, somehow inside me, I always knew there was something more than, than what they were offering in the church. And I was always searching for God. The only God I Moses, mighty Moses. Man, I wished I could have been Moses. Why? Because he talked with yeah, God, God talked with him. And I used to say, why couldn't he do that today? And then, and then the only Bible I have was the uh, boy's life. 
And if you remember the old Boys Life magazines, they were big back then. And, and back when uh, the country wasn't politically correct, and they had good stuff in there. But they had one page. It was a colored page, like a cartoon page with a Bible story. Maybe Gideon, maybe, maybe David, and, and they'd have their armor and their swords and shields. You know, that's what boys like. And, and uh, boy, I wanted to be one of those. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and God used them. That's the only Bible I had. And, and I remember growing up, my, my dad, you know, he, he was prejudiced. You know, he didn't like anything. He didn't like the Jews. He didn't like the blacks. He didn't like the Italians. He didn't like the uh, uh, Greeks. He didn't like the Serbians. And here, we're Polish, you know. And we were the, we were the superior race. So, so, uh, so one day at the dinner table, my little eight-, nine-year-old brain churning away. You know, I'm reading those few stories out of Boy's Life, the only Bible I had. And I realized that Gideon was a Jew. Yeah. And, and, and Samson was a Jew. David. And, and so one day at the dinner table, I said, you know, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be a Jew. He goes, what would you do, say? You know, and he's all mad. And I said, he's, why do you want to be a Jew? And our neighbors are Jews, you know. And, and old Richard and me were buddies. And but my, my dad, you know, he, 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 he was prejudiced. And, uh, and, and I told him, well, well, you know, all those guys in the Bible were Jews. All those heroes, the mighty Samson, the strongest man in the world, was a Jew, Dad. I want to be a Jew. He said, you're not going to be a Jew. I said, well, Jesus was a Jew. Did you know that? And for a little kid that didn't know the Bible, that was a revelation to me. So I knew there was something special about them. And I figured if I was a Jew, somehow uh, I'd get to be closer to God. And, and uh, so I go off to college, and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm still seeking God. I was just always looking, didn't know where to look. And in college, secular college, you know, you got a, a library. And for a, a guy, you know, that's eye-opening because we don't spend much time reading. And so I go in the library, and they had all kind of books in there. And, and they had a, a religious section, and, and they had books on Taoism. They had books on uh, Hinduism and all these different philosophies and Buddhism. And then the, 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 the stuff on Zen Buddhism, boy, that, that had a lot to offer. You know, if I was to pick a, a secular, I mean, a worldly religion and not knowing Christ, I, I'd want to be a Zen Buddhist because at least there's some philosophy there that made you a better person and made you uh, elevate your life and, and it's good about hygiene and health and a lot, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of Christian uh, influences in there, even though it's not Christian influence, but a lot of good stuff, but nothing about your soul now. But uh, and and then and then uh, so I'm reading all that stuff and then. I remember after uh, four years of secular college, the last month before we're graduating, there was one guy in the, in the college that, that was the holy roller. That's what we called him. That's what I called him. That's what my dad taught me. <laughs> Anybody who wasn't a purebred Catholic was a holy roller. They're, 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 they're Jehovah Witnesses or something. So the old holy roller comes up, and he was witnessing to everybody. And finally he came up to me. And really what he was, he was a Baptist soul winner. Yeah, that's what he was. I didn't know that. And he told me, you know, Brother Ray, I'd like to talk to you. I said, oh, man, I got away from you all these years, you know, four years. But he got a hold of me, and, and he sat down, and, and he started going through the Scriptures, which no one ever did. I knew that Bible was God's Word. And so uh, there he went through Romans Road. And you know what Holy Spirit conviction does. He's telling you this is true, even though it didn't make any sense to you. I couldn't quite believe it's true, but I knew it's true because, you know, the Holy Spirit's talking to you. And I, got it, I accepted Christ as my Savior. It didn't take him too, too hard to get me saved. And uh, 
I didn't know anything about Holy Spirit conviction. I'm glad he was there. I'm glad he gave me the faith to step out and get saved. And I knew I got saved. And, and, and you know, how, how do you know? With just about five or six verses he gave me. How do you know? Is that enough? Oh, well, it was. It was. And uh, so, uh, uh, so then uh, I come home, and I wanted to share with my parents, you know, and start, start with mom. I think moms are usually the favorite in the families, you know, how that goes. So I go, Mom, hey, Mom, guess what? And I really thought I was the only guy in the world that knew how to get saved. That's how dumb I was. And I said, no, no, I learned today. And I got the old Catholic Bible out that was sitting there for years and never used. And they, they couldn't open it. And she says, oh, don't you dare open that because it's too holy. Only the priest could do it. And I'm no priest. And I said, oh, Mom, but let me tell you this. If I tried to share here the plan of salvation and she just said, we don't talk about those things in this house. I forbid you to ever open that Bible again and, and ever to say anything. So it goes back in the bookcase, you know. And, and then uh, when I share with my dad, you know, he exploded, just roaring and everything. And, uh, and after a while, I didn't want to go to the Catholic Church anymore because I, I finally figured out, you know, I would go to hell if I kept going there. So I started going down to this revival center. And this revival center, it wasn't Baptist like us, but, you know, they preached the Bible. They preached about soul winning. And, and for a guy who knew the Lord, he can go anywhere and, and, and be fed, you know, in any kind of a church used to buy. I could have went to a Methodist church, I think, and would have got fed for a little while. But uh, so uh, the family, uh, <laughs> for a little while now. I mean, if you don't know any Bible and, and they open up anything and read it, and your, head's, your brain's like a sponge. You take in what you can real quick. So anyways, uh, so uh, they, they kicked me out of the house. They said, no, if you're going to be doing this stuff and going down there, you have no part in this family. And that hurt. That hurt, you know, especially when your mom kicks you out too. But my parents are strict. Good parents, though. They really were. They just weren't safe. So I wasn't allowed around anymore. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, you know, when you get your first verse in the Bible that speaks to you, I don't know, maybe you can't remember that far back, but, but it's kind of special. You, you know how, how you, you read your scriptures and every once in a while a verse pops out and speaks to you. And it's just so special because the Lord gave it to you. You carry it around all day. And I try to find one almost every day that I could just write down on my little index card with all the things I got to do that day. So well, I'm out there, you know, you take a little break for five minutes or five seconds, and I'll just flip it out and read it. Say, yeah, you gave that to me this morning. Then get right back to work. Well, the first verse I think I ever got like that, it's over here in Isaiah. And, uh, and uh, it was, uh, it's like, I guess it was my life verse, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. And, and, uh, and this is the part where Jesus was talking. And he says, it says here, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I shall not be confounded. Therefore, if I set my face like a flint, then I know I shall not be ashamed. And I made up my mind that God's going to help me, that, that I'm saved, I belong to him. And like Moses and them guys, I'm a man of God too now. And, and I'm going to set my face as flint. And, uh, and I'm going to not be confounded by things because, uh, because uh, I, I know God's for me and and, and the previous verse is about Jesus giving him back to the smiters and his cheeks and then they plucked off the hair and hid not his face from shame and spitting. So right off the bat, my Christian life became with a lot of conflict. And I just couldn't help witnessing the folks. I just couldn't help it. I mean, man, it was the most wonderful news. 
lost my friends, my, my cousins turned against me, and we used to go hiking and fishing and down to the bars and shoot pool. Uh, I didn't drink much hardly, maybe maybe one beer a week because I didn't mean much to me, but I liked shooting pool down there and and uh, and my brothers and, you know, it kind of hurt. And so uh, that was one of my first verses that God gave me and that became my life verse. And But I kept up the witnessing and preaching and to everybody I could and, and you know how mothers are, even though they kick you out, they're still mothers, aren't they? And, and you know, she'd miss me once in a while, so I'd come to the house when Dad wasn't around, and she'd go, oh, come on in, you need a sandwich? Yeah, I need a sandwich. And and uh, and, and I'd witnessed her little by little, and she was the first one I got saved. And and, and then after 20 years, uh, my, my, my dad and the siblings, some bro- brothers and a sister, they all got saved. And, and, uh, and I wish I could go on and on about how special that was, but I got to get on with this here. And, and uh, but it was real special seeing them get saved. And, and and I remember down at that revival center when I was sitting there, and I was just new there. You know, the first couple of months, everybody knew each other, and they're all talking to each other. And I'm just sitting there, a stranger. But I was young, and and I was just hungry for God's word. I, it didn't matter. But I said, boy, I wish I had a bunch of friends like they all do. And then one day, the pastor just said, you know. Some of you, if you just went out and invited people to church, uh, do a little witnessing here and there. They don't know much about soul winning, but witnessing, you know, they overlap. But soul winning is when you're extra aggressive. And, and uh, at least that's how I look at it. And, and so uh, they, uh, he, he said, you know, you can fill up some pews. And I said, oh, I could do that. Because, you know, when you're young, you're dumb, right? You don't know. You can't do things. Isn't that great to be young? And, and and so I went out, and I started telling everybody about Jesus, inviting the church and on the corners and wherever it was at and across the street. And, and uh, by the end of that year, half the church was my converts. And, and I'm sitting there saying, you know what? Those, I know everybody there on that side, and they're all my converts. And, and uh, you'd be surprised what God can do if you just step out in faith. And, you know, that's all a learning lesson because God's just showing you things along the way, which you could do if you trust him and and then I went off to Bible college, and, and uh, boy, I got some good Bible training, got my doctrines right. I, I Even when I went to Bible doc, uh, college, I didn't have all my doctrine right. And the one I went to, when they taught you doctrine or anything, they also taught you the way the other denominations interpret it and why they use, and, and because they use different methods of interpretation. You know, we use the literal uh, historical grammatical method. That's what we use. And that just makes it clear. That's the way you read a book or anything. And, but they use uh, figurative methods and allegorical methods. And so I got to understand things from all kind of angles. And, uh, and, you know, you learned about soul winning. You learned about church functions. You learned about, you know, all the, all the things that goes on in the church. And then I got on staff, and then I got married. And I remember my, my first bus ministry. Uh, that, that church had a bus ministry. I said, wow, they're bringing in kids. And I was always a soul winner, so I got in the bus ministry, and it didn't take long for he made me a bus minister. And all these years, every church I've ever been in, I was always the bus minister. And, and uh, But I like it. You know, you know, you bus workers, you've got one of the most greatest ministries in the church. It's a hard one. But anything that's hard and sacrificial is going to have more fruit. And I don't want to be a, a comfortable Christian, because God didn't call us to be that, did he? So I got in the bus ministry, and and had all these workers in charge of all those buses and got with the youth the youth ministry in charge of the youth and the and the children's church and, and, and you know since I had the pick of the things, 
One thing I did, I, I said, I'm going to be the children's church worker. I, worker. I like the, uh, like, like about, about fourth grade to seventh grade the most. And after I trained all those kids, I gave them to the other guy to do the teens. And, uh, but, you know, he, he was a good guy, too. But uh, I like that in-between in age because they're, they're the most moldable. And, and, uh, and then uh, 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 I was always a soul winner. Every church I was asked, I don't know if you do it here, but the pastor always said, what kind of title do you want, you know? Associate pastor, associate assistant pastor. I said, call me the soul winning pastor. That's what I want to be. And I would take over the soul winning program in every church. And, and with it, I'd get all the visitor cards, and I'd pick out the best ones where they say they want to they learn about getting saved. So I'd go visit those and get them all saved. And, and uh, well, the other ones went out and visit the other ones. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I had my old dog Fang back during, the, during that part of that time in that last church. And we'd go out visiting everybody. And, and, then, uh, and then I got into the chalk art ministry. Why? Not just because it's drawing pictures. It was a soul-winning tool. You know, a soul winner is always inventing ways to be a better soul winner and win more people to the Lord. And, and if it's having a puppet ministry, if that'll bring him in, he'll have a puppet ministry. And if it's, uh, you know, a trip to Paris, you know, I'm sure if you can afford it, you'd be giving people trips to Paris if they get saved. I don't know. So anyways, so 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 things are going. And, and, and you know, like... like uh, Hezekiah, it says in the scriptures, you know, it talks about the different men of God and their epitaph. It tells you, you know, something about them, their epitaph. And I like what it said here in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 21. It says, And in every work that he began in the service of the Lord of God, and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. And everything, the commandments of God, seeking his God, the law, the service in the house of God, he did it with all his heart. And, you know, who doesn't want to serve God with all their heart? Carnal Christians don't. Nominal Christians. Christians that want a comfortable life. You know, they come Sunday mornings, and, and that's, that's about it. Make sure you get home in time for dinner at the restaurant. And, and uh, that eases their conscience. But then, But then you get... Some folks that want to serve God with all their heart, their heart. They want to be something for God. And I uh, always wish I could be like Moses. And, but you know what? I uh, found out that uh, we can all be servants of God like Moses. And, and, and we, I wished I could live in Bible days. I didn't realize I was living in Bible days. These are the last of the Bible days, just before the trumpet call. And, and what's greater than winning souls to the Lord? As great as that Red Sea experience was, and, and all those miracles, I'll tell you what, winning souls is even greater. Yes, Man, wanted to be like Moses. Well, I guess I am now. And and, uh, uh, and then and then real quick here, uh, uh, and then and then the troubles came. Uh, you know, we always have troubles, don't we? Every Christian life, you can't escape it. Heartaches, tragedies, deaths. Uh, uh, Bad news from the doctor, man. Just things, just things come up. Kids lose their cat. I mean, what's worse than that, huh? And uh, I can relate to that when my old dog Moose, when I was a kid, got lost. Oh, I forgot to tell you. You know, I didn't pray to Mary and the Rosies when I was praying for him as a Catholic. And my mom had these novenas and cards, and I did go and light candles every time for old Moose, my dog. 
But I prayed to Jesus because in my mind, who didn't know the Bible, my mom said he's stronger than Mary and the saints and all of them. So I prayed to the strongest one. That makes sense, right? You know, little kids can be smart sometimes. So anyways, I'll tell you what happened to me. I, uh, I, I ended up getting the, my, my, my wife left me. And we were married 11 years, and, and uh, you know, things started to change for her and, and started having troubles, and she, she just got more worldly-minded, and then she didn't want to be in the ministry. And, and, and I was a sign painter on the side, but besides everything else, and all she wanted to do was me to make a lot of money, which I turned down great opportunities because I wanted to serve the Lord. I had some big opportunities and I had one opportunity from a state center there over in West Virginia where I started a church. And, and, uh, and he, uh, he said, look, uh, I, I can get you the business because I got the contacts if you'll run the business. He says, I know you know a lot about sign painting. And I was known for about three states around as a sign painter. And I just picked and choose the jobs I wanted. And, uh, but I, I, uh, I spent the rest of the time serving the Lord. Went out knocking the doors for 15 hours a week while, while trying to get this church going. And, and, uh, and, he, and I also knew about silk screening, like, like, like uh, shirts and football uniforms and baseball and stuff, bowling. And, uh, you know, I could have made a half a million dollars a year, but I turned it down. I turned it down because I, I was looking. I was looking at my Savior. I said, you know, you, you answered my prayer. You, 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 I wanted to know you. I wanted to talk with God. And now I have a living relationship with you. And I'm a born-again Christian. I'm now a son of God, Amen. you know, by, by, by birth and by adoption. Amen. You know, adoption means he can never divorce me. And birth means you can't get any closer. And, uh, and I said, no, I can't, I can't do that. So I, I turned it down. And my wife, you know, she just wanted me to make money so she could spend it. And, and, uh, and she got in some trouble with the law and different things, and finally she left. And, and, uh, and I tell you what, uh, my, my heart was broken. You know, uh, some of you folks that lose a spouse and your heart broken and nothing can get worse, I'll tell you what's worse than that, when the, when the love of your heart turns against you and tells you that they don't love you anymore. That hurts more than losing them. At least when you lose them, you can say, well, the Lord took so-and-so away. And I trust God and his wisdom. But it has someone turn against you, and it just broke my heart. And, and then being an independent fundamental Baptist, which I am, and I get in all kind of Baptist churches, uh, but I'm a, I got some real conservative uh, ideas about things. But, uh, but uh, a lot of the guys say, well, we can't use you anymore. You know, if, uh, if you're divorced, you're no good, you're trash, you ain't worth anything. doesn't matter whose fault it is. And that's the way guys think. Some guys would tell me, Father Ray, uh, and I was fellowshiping with them, you can't come preach anymore. In fact, you can't preach anywhere behind a pulpit like this because uh, they, they, I don't know where they get the doctrines from. I could use a podium, and they'd have to be children on down, no adults. You know, they, they had these crazy, you, you've, you know about stuff like that. they come up with all kinds of things. And, and uh I couldn't be a soul winner anymore because, you know, I'm divorced. I said, I can't be a soul winner anymore. So I was pretty discouraged. I said, boy, I'm finished. And I just felt like God was finished with me. And I figured if I couldn't serve God, what have I got to live for? You know, if I'm serving God, then I enjoy everything else. I love going fishing, man. 
and no one can uh, talk me out of fishing. But you know what? If I can't serve God, that fishing wasn't worth anything. And all the other fun things I like to do, I, I couldn't find any joy in it. So I, I told the Lord, and I was serious. I said, Lord, uh, I want you to take me home because I, I just don't want to go on living uh, if I can't serve you. There's no purpose. And so uh, so I kind of had this idea that, uh, you know, we had some missionaries, and, and, and one is in Kenya, and pastor says, why don't you go to Kenya for a couple of weeks with him? Get your mind off things. Don't want you around here anyways. You're just so depressing. <laughs> and uh, so I went with uh, Brother Tim to Kenya, and uh, he was going back. And and uh, uh, and my idea was, it was like here in, in Judges that we read. It says, and Samson called on the Lord and said, oh, Lord, remember me, I pray thee. And strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O oh God. I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And I told the Lord, I said, I, I, I want to do one last big thing before you take me. I really believed he was going to take me because I asked him to. And, but I asked him to let me do one last thing, win a bunch of souls or something. Because so I went to Kenya. And, uh, and, you know, you go on this mission trip. Most of these countries, they're not like America these third world countries, they're open. The Holy Spirit has a lot of uh, uh, leeway, you know, a lot of opportunity to do things. And folks are willing to get saved. They're willing to listen. And, and, and Kenya was one of those times back in 1996. They're having some big revivals there through the country. And I just happened to be in there. And it was nothing to win 10, 20, 40 souls a day. You can win 100 souls a week at least. Every time you walk down the street, they saw an American. They just thought all Americans are missionaries. So they come up with these, these uh, paperback Bibles like New Testaments or Johns and Romans. They thought they were Bibles and pages missing. They say, pages missing. Tell me what's missing, you know. And, and of course, I carried a Bible all the time because I'm a, I'm a soul winner. So I'd read it to them. And, and all of a sudden, in a matter of 15 minutes, you get a crowd of about 40 folks. And then you're preaching. And then... You can get them. They'll, they'll, they'll accept Christ as their Savior. You can't follow up on them, but they, they get saved. And, and everywhere you went. So working for that missionary, helping him out, you know, we, we'd go out every day, and I helped him out in his work, and then we'd go visit his churches, and he'd have me do my chalk art sermons, and, and those folks would come out of the jungles where you didn't think anybody was in there, and they'd crowd around, and they were so amazed. It was like they never saw something like that before. And I uh, got to win souls, and then some of the days I had half a day off or somebody weren't doing anything. I'd go down the old clay road because all the roads were like red dirt, uh, and I, like, like in Nairobi. It might have changed by now, but they didn't really have paved roads except in the very downtown area. So, so you just get in the outskirts of it. It's like jungle. And, and uh, I got to witness the folks, and, and, uh, uh, and, then, and then after about a month of things going on, all of a sudden I realized that, you know what? God's not done with me. I'm having a, I forgot my troubles, and I'm having the time of my life winning souls because I love winning souls. I said, he's not done with me. So those two weeks turned into five months, five months. And uh, I wish I could tell you all the stories they had there, but, but when it's time for me to come home, you know, uh, uh, I knew God wasn't done with me. And he empowered me and strengthened me. And I've been busy since then. And it didn't matter what anybody said. 
Don't tell me I can't win souls. Don't tell me I can't preach the Bible. And, and uh, you know, God's a God of not just second chances, but I believe he's a God of a whole bunch of chances. Yep. Yeah, just amazing. And, and, uh, and, and so, so let, let me just share this with you real quick. You know, uh, people, people ask me, you know, they, they say, you know, Brother Ray, why do you live like you do? And you're on the road most of the year, and I'm on the road except for December and January. I, I stay home and do a little bass fishing, and, and then and I get all of my stuff ready, you know, during that time, like for the year, a lot of drawings, and it takes a lot of work and get all these car repairs done, you know, like, well, last year. And that's a whole story there. I, you never saw the end of it, but God blessed out of that. But I'll tell you some other time. And, and, and people say, well, Brother Ray, uh, and they say, why do you live like that? I said, what do you mean? He says, you're always away from home, and you're always out there putting out and, and everything. And all I could say in my heart is this, but what a dumb question. You know, what a shallow question. What a carnal question. Why, you know, why, why did these guys go on that mission trip to Honduras? I, I think it was hot. I'm sure there's some bugs, and I'm sure they, they missed their Debbie snacks and things. And, and uh <laughs> You know, why would you want to go there and do all that work? Because when you love the Lord, you want to serve him, right? And and there's fruit, fruit. And and, and Paul, you know, I like what Paul said when when he was asked in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and and, uh, verse 13 to 15. You know, they asked Paul, you know, Paul, you're a fanatic. You've been stoned and beaten and shipwrecked. And and, and the story goes on and on. and, And why do you do these things? And here's what Paul said. He says in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 5, says, For whether we be besides ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, they which live should live not henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That's the only Christian life there is. And I'm sorry, carnal Christians, nominal Christians, you're missing the boat. You're missing the boat. I wonder if some of them are saved. Oh, they ease their conscience. But just because you come to church once a week and and uh, give God some leftovers through the year, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. And it might ease your conscience, but you know, when you uh, when you uh, meet the Lord and you consider what He's done for you, the least thing you can do—it's only your reasonable service to give back your all back to Him. It is, and you know, in giving your all back to Him, there's a joy there. You know, there's nothing better than 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 to say you're you're doing something for Christ, like you guys are doing that mission trip, and you're seeing fruit and folks listening and, and things happening. You know, it's like it's like it's like it's not you, but it's the Lord sharing this body with you, taking you along for the ride as He uses it, and He's doing the job. Yes. And many times after the victories, I say, Lord, thanks for sharing that with me. Thanks for taking me for that ride. And uh, and and so uh, 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 so, anyways, uh, that, that that's that's sort of like my life story and. And and, uh, and God's always there, and and when you're down on that like I was, God's still there. You know, over in, in uh, Genesis twenty-eight fifteen, it says, 
I'll never fail thee nor forsake thee. Never. You think God means that? Even in your hardest times, even if you sin like David and committed adultery and then murdered that person's husband like David did, you know, God is still with him. My goodness. And that promise is also in Deuteronomy chapter 31 where God told Jacob, I'll never fail thee nor forsake thee. It's in the book of Joshua where God told Joshua in chapter 1 verse 5, I'll never fail thee nor forsake thee. It's in 1 Corinthians 28, 20, Psalms 1, 18, 6, Isaiah 41, 17. And then you come down to the, today, in the year 2022, in Hebrews 13, 6. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, even in our hardest times. So uh, so that's about it. I, I don't know. Did you want me to share about a couple mission trips? Or you got time? You know, you know I've, I've been going, you know, you know, talking about God not being done with me besides the joy of serving him. And, and now I get to travel around the country, and I'm preaching all the time, I, 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 every Sunday, every Wednesday, and, and a lot of week-long meetings. And, and, uh, and there's just a million adventures to have. You know, like one, one time uh, a year ago, I was in one country church in the morning, and, and, and I was preaching. I don't know what I, I don't remember, but ten adults come to the altar to get saved. Now, now I never had that many in a, in a morning service come. Now, maybe in a big revival or something, you know, but, uh, or maybe the teens, but, but, man, adults are the hardest. You know, you know what a joy that was. Yes. And, and uh, that was one of those trophies I stuck on my wall, you know, that God let me have. And, and, and then I got to go on fishing trips. Uh, uh, no, no, mission trips. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and just like they had this fruit, I got to go to a lot of countries, have a lot of fruit. I got to see things around the world that I like adventure. So God knows just what you're made for. And, and I like adventures. You know, I did get to go fishing in every country but Cambodia. I always took my fishing pole with me. And, and, uh, and I, I got to fish uh, in the in, uh, in, uh, uh, Lake uh, Tanza, no, 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 Lake Victoria. I cut a, a little uh, Nile perch. And the reason I cut a little one, in the morning when the big ones come in, you know, and, and you can catch them, and those big tilapias, which, which eat weeds and, and, and everything, I had dreams of catching them. So finally, I'm 20 miles from Lake Victoria, and the pastor said, I'll have so-and-so, one of the natives, take me up to the main road, and then it's easy to flag down anybody because you're an American. They, they, they figure you're a missionary. So we flagged someone down. They took me down into, into the Kasumu. And, and, uh, and I'm walking through the streets of Kasumu early in the morning. Oh, boy. And on the way down there, though, I was witnessing everybody in the, in the van. They all wanted to hear about Jesus because I'm there. And they said, tell us about Jesus. So I'm telling them about it. And, but I, I really wanted to go fishing, you know. So, so I was done. So I'm walking down the street with that fishing pole, and they never saw one. And everybody's looking at it with a reel. So I go, and the whole crowd backs up this way. And I'm walking, and I go, just move it like that. And they backed up that way. They must have thought it was an X-ray gun or something. And then, and then, and then you're walking up the, the, the side streets going down to the lake, and all of a sudden folks come out and see an American, and they ask you some questions. All of a sudden you got, again, 30, 40 folks in Kenya, and you're preaching to them. And you're trying to go fishing, but the hours are going by. And then, of all things, that van comes by with that guy. He had a factory in town, and he begged me to come to the factory and preach to all his workers. What am I going to say? I'm going fishing. So I went and, and preached. So later that afternoon, about 2, when all the fish went back out into the deep, 
I went down to the lake and I did catch a, a little perch and it's a Nile perch, it's not like a yellow perch. It's it's different kind of a fish, and uh, and, and then and then I, I got to go to Ghana. I got to see those slave castles that they had. Uh, you know, they were in the slave trade in the 1400s. Got to see. Uh, 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 I can't remember. Just slipped my mind. Well, anyway, I got to go to Cambodia, and I and I saw Anchor Wat. You, you know, that's something you gotta look up on on your. Uh, internet stuff. Man, that's amazing to see it. And when I was there, they didn't have it all built in, charging $200 to get in. They just had a yellow ribbon. That, 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 that's, that's that ancient uh, site where, where they had a, a big city built in the, back in the 8th century. Just amazing to see. And I got to see the killing fields from the, from the Vietnam War where, they, where the Cambodia killed off all or 3 million of their fellow people. And we, of course, we got to win souls everywhere. Got to got to got to see Mount Kilimanjaro. I got to go to the pan, see the Panama Canal. Canal <laughs> talk uh, in Mexico. I've been there lots of times because they live in Mississippi. It's easy to go down there, and I got to see some Inca villages. And I got to go to El Capoco one time, and, and and listen to this. I was in there and and got to preach at a, at a hospital, and and, uh, and and these nurses are there, and, and I got to give them the plan of salvation, and and this receptionist, you know, she, she just liked the American Ray, you know, so she's uh, being all friendly with me and, and wants me to go out dancing with her and everything. I said, no, I don't do that stuff, you know, and, and I, and I try to get away from her and I finally did. So, so I, I, I go to the, the missionary compound. I'm walking down the street at nighttime. This is like in the city in Alcapoco and I was in the old section and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and sure enough, as I'm going down, I hear this real loud music come out of this one house. I said, boy, they must be having a party. And I'm across the street, no street lights, and it's dark. And all of a sudden, a girl pulls the, 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 the curtain open. She goes, Brother Ray, come over here. I go, that person knows me? And it was that receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, she's going dancing. you got to come with me. I said, no, I can't do that. So, uh, and uh Hey, uh, I got to see Count Dracula's castle over over in, in Romania. Man, and and, uh, and the story about him was he wasn't really what we, we know him today, but he's one of their national heroes because back when the Turks were invading the country, he was a, a rich count, and what he did, he, he, he raised an army, and he went out and defeated a bunch of Turks, and they just slayed them all in the streets so the blood just flowed down the streets. And, of course, they got this story that, you know, like, you know, about Cat Dracula today. But I did notice when I left, my eyes were sensitive for a while. And, uh, and then, and then uh, uh, hey, when I was uh, leaving Romania, talking about opportunities to serve the Lord, uh, I was all packed and ready to leave. And, of course, we, we had adventures like you guys did in the villages and, and things. Oh, I just love doing that, especially the chalk drawings and people come up to you. I like these kids in other countries are just like kids here. Just a little smarter, but they're 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 a lot of fun, you know. And, and I just love the the way they'll hug you and things. But like, I was all packed, ready to go, and tired. And you know, when you're ready to leave, you're you're ready, and, and uh, you take your shower, and you just wait and get on the airplane. And and, and one of the ladies calls, said, "Brother Ray, you, you got three hours for that plane leaves. We got into a cancer hospital here. You got to come and preach." I said, "Oh, I can't." But they forced me, you know. And and, and I went and set up the easel. Now, these people in this cancer hospital, that's a former communist country, so they don't have any Bible. They have no hope. They're, just, they're dying. 
And, and there must have been about 60 folks there. And, and just hopeless. And what, what a place to be of no hope. And you're dying and you're suffering. And, and, and just trying to imagine when they hear the gospel message for the first time. And they're just sitting there. And, and I know they're saying, oh, if I could just believe that, there's hope. And, and uh, of course, I didn't have time to stick around. And, and uh, uh, a lot of them just, just didn't raise their hands right away. They had to chew on it. But those, those Christians that live there, you know, to get in there, they're gonna, they're, they're, they finished the job, you know, witnessing to them. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity. And, and, and all these mission trips, I have had opportunities to, to, to get out. You know, I, I got to be in, 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 in Nairobi. And listen to this, old Brother Ray, you know, insignificant Brother Ray, little Catholic boy. I'm preaching in the largest amphitheater of the country in Nairobi. I got an opportunity to get in there. I went up and asked some officials in the city. I said, hey, I'm a chalk artist. And they go, what's that? I told them. I said, I was wondering if you'd let me preach at that amphitheater. And they said, oh, yeah, that sounds good because they're all religious. Now, they're lost, but they're religious. So they said, Sunday afternoon is the biggest crowd. So they set me up there. And old Tim, you know, and the church folks, they broke down. So I was stranded there. And uh, and, uh, and there's tons of folks. You had a lot of Indians from India, a lot of Muslims and all the Kenyans. So finally someone says, just go preach, you know. I didn't have no music or anything. So I just started preaching to them, the plan of salvation. And about six minutes into it, I was preaching, uh, how are you going to escape hell if you neglect so great a salvation? A third of them that were hit, uh, Muslims got up and walked out. They didn't want to hear about Jesus. And as they were walking out, I shouted and said, I said, how are you ever going to get to heaven without Jesus Christ? You'll never make it. And then, and then, and then I finished the sermon, and out of those Indians and the Europeans that were there, do you know who raised their hands and come to the altars? All the Kenyans, all the Kenyans. So, uh, but you know, uh, uh, that, that's a little bit about the story. I can go on and on and tell you about uh, all kind of uh, neat adventures that God gave me, but, but you know, uh, God, God can give you adventures if you're looking for them. You know, if you're really looking for them, if you really mean busy. It's going to take a little bit of work, a little bit of suffering, but uh, he'll give it to you. So, yeah, there, there's that testimony. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like he just described. Thank you, Brother Dombeck, for being willing to share that publicly. A place of no hope, thinking God's done with me. And, oh, God was far from done with him. (laughs) Isn't God good? And I don't know where you are. Some of you could relate to his story tonight. God's not done with you either. Let's open the altar. Let's commit our lives to his service. Would you just come? We'll have no music. Just open the altar. Come on. Give your life again. Say, Lord, would you use me?